Welcome to the North Lakes Podcast. I'm Jeremy Oswald, and today we are going to be talking to Angie Shepik and Jenny Zelenek about kids' picky eating. Angie is a pediatric occupational therapist and is North Lakes' chief allied health officer. Jenny Zelenek is a speech-language pathologist and is the therapies director, and both of them work at our Ashland Clinic. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself and tell me, give us a little bit of your background. Why, why, like what, is your, what, what expertise do you bring to the table? Well, thank you, Jeremy, for asking us to do this. Um, I am Angie Shepik, occupational therapist, and I um, am also the chief allied health officer here at North Lakes. I have been doing pediatric occupational therapy for 14, 15 years, something along that lines, um, and sensory sensory integration along with feeding therapy has been a strong emphasis of my training and my um, interest in terms of the interventions that I use. And so I'm very passionate about this and very excited to talk more about it. And I am Jenny Zelenak, a speech therapist here at North Lakes and also the therapies director. Um, I've been a pediatric therapist since as long as I've been at North Lakes, so about four and a half years now. And right away when I joined the team, I was very excited to um, delve into more training and opportunities to learn about um, feeding and swallowing disorders in the pediatric population. And um, it's also a passion of mine. It's amazing to work with clients and their families to um, help these kids be on their way to better wellness. I asked you both kind of like what would be some good things to talk about and you talked about picky eating. Um, what is it? Well, what is picky eating? Great question. <laughs> it's, it can sometimes become a catch-all umbrella phrase for a variety of different scenarios that parents see or guardians see in their kids. And um, it may range from just like not eating their vegetables on the plate or um, dropping off entire groups of foods um, and potentially having like some oral motor mouth dysfunction. So difficulty chewing, moving their tongue, and maybe even difficulty swallowing certain foods textures and what so you're jenny you're a you're a speech therapist yes speech pathologist yeah um what how does that correlate with eating yeah that's a great question too <laughs> our titles are very misleading i think um uh, so a speech language pathologist um learn about the anatomy uh which in, of the oral motor structures which includes um feeding and swallowing so uh, we look at like airway protection of the swallow. If things are going down the wrong way, then we would refer for um, additional assessments. Um, but we really are looking at what's happening inside of the mouth um, and how an individual is able to move and manipulate foods to then be able to swallow safely. That's a mouthful. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, no, I didn't mean to. I didn't even plan it, but it came right up. I'm sorry. Keep it uh, in. <laughs> uh, um, so are are there moments where, um, you know, uh, where picky eating could be um, helpful 
you know, like if I was allergic to peanuts or something where that, that, oh, that's a good thing that you're like kind of resisting that. Um, I, I haven't ever thought of it that way. Um, I, I don't know that I would classify it as being helpful. Um, individuals who have food allergies, especially real severe allergies, seem to understand and learn that really quickly and understand that they need to avoid those foods. What can happen with food allergies or sensitivities is that that they then associate, say, peanuts with all nuts, which then gets associated with maybe other small food items of the same size or the same texture, and then those become not safe. And then it just continues like a domino effect of moving on to the next food item or food group until they're, like Jenny had said before, you drop off food groups until there's like almost no foods that they're eating. And so I would say my experience has been that I've actually seen it like be an impact because again, if it's a real severe allergy and if they're young enough, they are actually, they can be scared of food. And so they maybe just don't even want to eat food because they don't know if it is safe or um, if they should be trying it or not trying it. Here's a terrible example that um, I got really excited that uh, for my birthday, I got these, a couple of uh, Chinese uh, Sichuan cookbooks. And I was kind of, you know, I, I've kind of gotten revved up, you know, like going to the grocery store and getting like, you know, finding the ingredients. And I talked to my mom. I'm like, mom, I got these, uh, you know, Szechuan cookbooks. I'm really excited. And she's like, well, do they have MSG in them? <laughs> and so, so I don't know if that's a great example, but like she went right from this like broad thing where she had a bad meal where MSG just tore, you know, was very bad for her. Right. And like her immediate thought was like, <gasps> You know, Asian food that I'm not Stay ever going to touch that again. Right. It must all have MSG in it. It does. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, mom, there wasn't part of the cookbook that talked about it. But, I, you know, I don't think it's so. And sorry. That's maybe not a great example. Um, okay. So uh, so that's not the my little analogy. No, it's not really. There's nothing helpful about it. Like picky eating is its own. It's a whole different thing. Does do everybody do all children go through some degree of it, and then, if so, when 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 would a parent be like, hmm, this is maybe something I could use some help with, or something that isn't normal? Sorry, that's a lot <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yes, all kids naturally go through a stage of picky eating, um, and actually probably multiple stages, I guess you could say. They're, they're just like development of speech and language, development of motor skills, right? There, there is a spectrum. There is a, um, or maybe spectrum isn't the right word, but there's a progression, right? And part of that progression is going forward and stepping back and going forward and stepping back. And so that that is normal. Um, I think like when when uh, kids reach that toddler age, they are they do tend to go for more of those carbohydrate items that are like tan in color because it's predictable and the textures are enjoyable and the flavors are enjoyable. It's usually like salty, maybe crunchy foods. Um, 
So there might be a period of time in a kid's life where they have dropped off like vegetables or maybe fruits or things they used to eat maybe when they were a baby learning to eat pureed foods from a spoon. Um, but typically, if they're going along the typical progression, they would then reincorporate foods. Like they'd be at eating broccoli one day and maybe not the next and kind of adding and subtracting foods along that progression. But if that's, if they're, that's not happening and it's like this consistent dropping off of foods or challenges with eating more d difficult textures of foods, then we look at picky eating as being more of a a dysfunction that needs some support. Right. And the other thing I think about too, is, you know, in kind of the two, three years of uh, age range is that's when kids are really starting to develop that sense of self and that independence. And so food is something they can somewhat control right? Because they can choose to be picky and they can just freak their parents out a yeah, little bit. They can just <laughs> sit and not eat, you know? And so, yes, there is that, that normal range there. It, um, but there definitely is right crossing that line into what we call kind of um, like problem feeders where they are only eating one food group or they're only eating one color of food or only eating food of certain brands or certain from certain restaurants, right? I'll only eat chicken nuggets if they're McNuggets for McDonald's or something along those lines. So if, uh, if you have a child that's doing that, so what, what could a parent do or what do you recommend or what, what are some signs to, to look for? You, you did already say kind of they're only eating one thing or maybe very specific things. Um, so what, what can a parent do? That's a great question. I think if, if there's concerns going to their child's primary care physician is a great place to start to voice what's happening and um, they, the parent can then ask for a referral for OT and or speech therapy services. It, I think both disciplines um, have a place in feeding therapy. And certainly there are times when um, one of us may start and then say, oh, it's time to switch over to the other side of things and um, or even co-treat and work together on a case if it's very, um, very severe or significant. And I, I've worked here at North Lakes for a little bit and I've known the two of you and I've come in and, you know, looked into your offices and, um, but the, I, I find what you do fascinating. You said OT, which I don't know if a lot of people know what that is. That's occupational therapy. Yes. How do you describe it when someone says, what is occupational therapy? I, I, I suspect you have a quick canned answer, but maybe not. Right. What is it? What is OT? Super simple to explain. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, a hard thing to um, answer. And we get trained from, I think, day one of occupational therapy school, how to answer this question. Um, so occupational therapy is focusing on the occupations of an individual. And the occupations of a child are um, include being able to eat, being able to tolerate different textures of foods, being able to play, being able to socialize, being able to learn motor skills, 
And motor skills also apply to right the mouth because the mouth is operated by muscles. Um, and that's where there's some overlap between occupational therapy and speech therapy is is sort of that motor development and the coordination of the mouth and the strength of the mouth um, where occupational therapy, um, I guess, really, um, what do I want to say? A primary area for occupational therapy to address uh, picky eating is in regards to sensory processing. So kids who are having aversions because of the texture of the food, because of the smell of the food, sometimes because of the sight of the food even, can um, make them fearful of the food or avoidant of the food. And so that's that's really one area where occupational therapy um, works on that feeding um, as opposed to what speech therapists are doing. And, and when I say, I guess I should explain a little bit when I said you have the most interesting things in your offices. I mean, I, I'm just trying to remember. It's been a little while since I've been in, but there'd be like a Candyland game, tongue depressors, um, like balls, uh, a swing, yeah, r- rope, uh, Twizzlers, you know, like l- poker a chips, a slide. And and it's so I just I'm like, what? what are these wizards doing in here? Magic. Yeah, it is. It really is. It is. And I, I was, um, and I I was with, we were, uh, I was out with one of your associates with a couple of friends in the car. My friend, uh, was a little car sick and your, one of your cohorts, cohorts suggested, Hey, here's a straw, you know, just to like, you know, so she was doing this like wizardry in the car and like she did like later she was like, you know what I did there? <laughs> and she explained that, you know, for whatever reason, drinking through a straw, it like, you know, kind of refocused this person who was also in the car having some troubles uh, get through it. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. So like like there's just a little example. Maybe not a great one again, but I'm just yeah. my experience. We bring our wizard tools with us everywhere we go. It, what do you have? You just on? never know. They did come in. They both had large backpacks full of <laughs> I don't know what's in there, but like they seem to be prepared, <laughs> ready for anything. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so uh, we, we've kind of talked about that. You know, a, a child might start to have these. Um, symptoms or thoughts where a parent's starting to get concerned. So you said they'd go to their primary care provider. And and so let's say that happens and they uh, get a recommendation to uh, an appointment with the two of you or one of you. What, what happens next? So um, we would receive the referral from the doctor. And um, from there, we'd call to our, our front desk um, staff would call to get that appointment scheduled with one of us. <laughs> and um, yeah, usually at that intake, the we try to get some information for what the concerns are. Um, and so that when we meet the child, we're able to um, kind of be prepared to um, delve deeper into what's going on. So then we do a feeding evaluation and it really for, well, I guess you could speak to the OT more that's like more of a whole body approach um we always try to do whole body approach for either discipline um for feeding therapy but for speech we i look at a variety of textures um more so so 
um, drinking from a variety of different cups. So straw drinking, cup drinking, um, and like pureed textures, milkable textures that if you put it in your mouth, like a Cheerio, you wouldn't really have to do a whole lot with it. It would just melt eventually. But um, so small items like that, stick shaped items, um, harder textures like meats, sausage, um, a pancake. Um, so it's kind of like a, a wide variety of foods and we don't expect the child to necessarily eat or even touch everything on the tray, but we're, we're really looking at what is that child's response um, external and what are they doing with the food or not doing with the food. Um, and we like present them one at a time as well so as not to overwhelm the child. But just see what's happening and interview the parent as well to see how mealtime routines are. We try to get a whole picture of what's happening because we know that in our clinic, it's one window of the child's skills and abilities. So we might not see everything in that eval period as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would also say that it, it is um, important for us to, we look all the way back to birth in terms of their history to see if there are any indicators along the way of things that have been happening that are going to help us understand what is the underlying deficits here or the underlying challenges because um, it isn't just it sometimes it isn't just one thing going on right but it's a multitude of things and being able to understand what all of those things are that are going on will really help us know how to to get in there and to to really help the individual um, as Jenny said, from occupational therapy standpoint, we would, we would, um, before we even go to the table to do the food, uh, interactions during the feeding evaluation, we, we would actually do some motor testing ahead of time. Um, so maybe we're doing more kind of gross motor, um, big movement testing. Sometimes we're doing more seated at the table, fine motor testing, depending upon what kind of information we've gotten back from the family before that appointment will help us know kind of which path we want to head down. Um, and then we'll do a, a very similar um, feeding assessment at the table as well. Um, and one thing that I am always adding into the occupational therapy feeding evaluations is um, definitely sticky textures, because that is uh, something that, that it, tends to be a real strong sensory aversion is kids not wanting to get messy or sticky with their hands. And so I make sure to have something like that in there to see how they're going to respond to it. Like that. Yeah. Like here's some syrup. <laughs> yes, exactly. Here's some syrup. Here is a sticky fruit, leather fruit strip, something along those lines. Yep. Yeah. Sticky. Sticky. Yes, exactly. And I, I don't know how to phrase this without sounding odd. Like, I mean, could it be like something that that's physically wrong with somebody? Like, uh, like their tongue is too big, their teeth are not growing properly. I mean, is there a physical component as well or could be? Yes, definitely. Yeah, there absolutely can be. So the other piece that I, I didn't mention before we really delve into the foods, of course, you try to build a rapport with a child and not just show them a bunch of foods to eat, but I try to do an, what we call an oral mechanism exam. 
And um, which can be tricky sometimes because it is a very like personal thing to get that close to a child. So I don't always, I'm not always able to necessarily like look inside the child's mouth or feel around for structures. Um, but uh, we do try to use um, like a tongue depressor or another item like a sucker <laughs> to check like tongue mobility and strength and just look how the oral structures are moving. Um, um, outside of like a feeding task, but then also watching those same structures and how they move while the child is eating. And that it has to be a little bit of an advantage, I think, being here at North Lakes because we do have, there's dentists in this building. There are physicians, family physicians in this building. So are there moments that you may go, you know, make a referral to one of those other services to help with this? <laughs> so the physician's always um, involved because they have to refer to us. So in order for the child to come our way, their their physician will have been involved, you know, at some some level. Um, but yeah, there there definitely are times where cross referrals are important. Um, and I would say one of those times is, um, you know, probably one of the most common ones would be with like tongue, tongue ties or like tethered tissues there. Those are two ways of kind of talking about that, um, where, where we definitely right want to get an outside, um, or a, like another opinion, another, um, look into see what can be done or should something be done about that. Hmm. Yeah. So typically if we see something in that oral mech exam that looks off or um, that requires further evaluation. Um, you know, we're not qualified to do <laughs> tongue tie releases ourselves here, thankfully. <laughs> so Maybe at home um, <laughs> by yourself, but you know, not another person. <laughs> so we have our referral sources. Sometimes like they, we don't do those in-house here, but we have referral sources that we know and trust that they'll use their best clinical judgment to make the best choice for the baby or child um, we're referring. But speaking speaking of, of dentists um, or dental care, there is a, a, a um, kids who are having oral sensitivity, picky eating, especially from a sensory standpoint, often are going to also have difficulties with teeth brushing and difficulties going to the dentist and doing their, you know, dental exams at an age appropriate um, expectation or level. And so it's definitely something that I have talked to all of our dental teams about, um, especially the ones that are close to, you know, referral sources for, for pediatric um, OT or speech services to just keep that in mind that, right, if you're having challenges doing the dental exam, or you know that they're having difficulty brushing their teeth, also think about asking questions about eating and think about, right, a referral mm. um, for for occupational therapy. Yes. For, so it goes both ways. It's not just, you know, the dentist might come to you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if uh, let's say, um, what could some of the dangers be for uh, if um, this goes untreated? Let's say, you know, that uh, the, the, the child just continues to grow and, you know, it, 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 there's, there's no treatment for it. What, what, what could happen? 
there would be a point where we would also incorporate a dietitian into the care plan if, or, or if the family hasn't sought out services, I guess is what you're asking. Um, I think more of like the nutrition standpoint um, and the overall wellness of the child. Um, you know, if they never eat vegetables, like what that means for health. And we know that eating a wide variety of foods um, is, is beneficial and not to speak outside of scope here, but as collectively, I think we can agree that it's best to have a diet that's rich in various foods. Um, if the condition is, you know, not just picky eating and limiting foods, but it's something more like a sensory issue or a negative response to eating because of a past trauma that makes them afraid to eat, like Angie mentioned earlier, um, it then there are definitely you know psychological impacts down the road. I mean, we gather over food so often, you know, we think about getting together with our families and when it's not COVID times, going out to eat with friends or having people over it. Um, that if, if you are a person who is a picky eater, it could maybe feel isolating or limiting in the future as an adult trying to connect with people. And even at, at a, um, you know, at a school level, you know, thinking about, um, you know, do you have to bring your own cold lunch because you'll only eat one or two items? Are you able to eat the school lunch with your peers? You know, when your friends start inviting you over for dinner, are you able to stay and eat the food that they're having at dinner? Or do you need to always leave when it's dinner time? I've had individuals that I've worked with where that was one of the main, um, I guess that's when it became the biggest barrier was when they became of age where they were being invited over to friends' houses and they couldn't stay overnight because they they couldn't eat the food or they, you know, the, eating that food was too challenging for them. And it was very limiting socially. And all of these things that you just described just can snowball later in life and cause other Right. Yeah, because one one of the myths about picky eating, if if that's right, what we'll call this. So, right, picky eating, the normal stages of picky eating, like that's that's not concerning for development. But one of the myths is is that a child who really really is having underlying challenges and truly is a picky eater that needs therapy services is they aren't going to just grow out of it. And that's what a lot of the families get told is like, right, they'll just grow out of this. It's okay. If they're hungry enough, they will eat. And the kids who are hungry enough and don't eat are the ones that have something else going on. Mm. And so they do need, you know, skilled intervention to be able to, to help them. Like so many other things, people like just, just walk it off, you know, they'll figure it out. Right. Oh, yeah. And eating is a learned skill. You know, we're, we're born with reflexes to eat. Like babies don't think about sucking and swallowing. It just happens. But then as you approach that six month age, um, babies are learning to how to manipulate food in their mouth through opportunities presented to them. Um, through bringing them to their mouth or, you know, you see babies mouthing everything. You know, that's why they're learning about their environment and, you know, what things taste like and how they feel and what their mouth can do. So it, it starts at that, that age actually. And um, from, yeah, infancy. So. 
It's got to be very rewarding to see like when you have helped somebody. It's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. It, even when a kid brings a food to their mouth that they never did before, they used to flee the table and can actually sit and play with the food. Um, it's, yeah, it's an incredible feeling. Yeah. And to watch the parent too, just kind of beam with happiness is. I've had so many um, parents say things to me like, I know you'll understand this, right? My child ate a different noodle today, right? Or their macaroni and cheese was the shells instead of the elbow noodles, right? To most people, that is like no big deal, right? It's macaroni and cheese. But for the kids that we're working with, that is a huge deal. And and so the parents are just ecstatic and we're ecstatic about those small changes because they're really, they're really big, big changes. Oh, I just, I, you know, I just can remember seeing you over at your other place, Angie, and like going in there and, um, I don't know. I've always just wanted to hang out and watch what you do. <laughs> so you just made me feel that again. Um, thank you so much for coming in here and talking. Um, did you feel like we, uh, covered everything that you wanted to, or we wanted to, is there anything else that you want to mention before we wrap this up? Yeah, I guess one one thought I have is that, right, the questions you asked, right, we could we could go on forever and ever about each mm-hmm. of them because, right, it isn't just one one reason for, you know, picky eating. It's it can be many things, and mm-hmm. um, so when you you asked about what what could happen, right, if if there wasn't intervention or if this wasn't addressed. And we, we definitely talked about nutrition and we talked about kind of the social elements of it. Um, But I was just thinking about how I think it's important to also address that. Yeah. So there's the nutritional component, um, but it also really impacts uh, individuals um, just cognitive ability as well when they're, when they have a very limited diet. Again, that diet usually isn't like strictly protein or strictly fruits and vegetables, right? That diet usually is lots of starches, carbs, sugars. And we know that that's not fueling the brain and the body in the way that it needs to, which is going to impact them in terms of advancing any other skills in terms of academics in terms of their functioning at school. And so those are just really important things, I think, to think about as well. Yeah, I think, yeah, the fact that like picky eating, there's always, typically there's other things going on that are impacted in that child's life, like that go beyond just the picky eating mm-hmm. we see. So it's, it almost never occurs like in isolation. Right, we have lots of families also who will, right, talk about how they're they're tired of making another meal for their child. Or I've had a family who's had two picky eaters that are not even on the same page. And so now they're making three meals at every meal, right? Think about how expensive that is and how exhausting that is. And, um, and also like then going to restaurants is pretty much out of the question, unless it's right. The like one restaurant that the child would eat at or where they have their one food that they can get at that restaurant. Just a lot of 
spiraling and snowballing. Yes. Right. Yep. And another thing I think it's worth saying is that we, we just kind of covered this subject very lightly. I mean, mm-hmm. this is just a real introduction to uh, picky eating, what it can be. And so I think you would both say you would both recommend, you know, do dig a little deeper mm-hmm. or just call us here at North Lakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, the last thing I like to ask, um, tell me what's in your car right now. <laughs> uh a bow <laughs> and oh. arrows. Yeah, I was like, not not a <laughs> no, bow tie, not a necktie. Oh no. Lord, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's archery season, <laughs> so you never know. <laughs> Just <laughs> maybe maybe cut that out. <laughs> you you never know. How about you, Angie? <laughs> um, huh? You know. I, I might actually not have anything interesting in my car right now, which is very odd because I used to carry around almost a whole entire sporting goods store in the trunk of my car. And then my now husband told me that that was a bad idea to keep all of those things in my car. <laughs> and yeah, they they're they're not in my car anymore. <laughs> You know, I have something of yours in my car, actually. I just remembered it's been in there for two months. Oh, yeah. The massage table for Hayward. Oh, great. Well, I'm going to have a <laughs> massage table in my car soon. Were you using it for target practice? Or? <laughs> I hope <Yeah>. not. <laughs> well, thank you so much, uh, Angie Shepik, uh, Jenny Zelnack. I really appreciate you coming in. And thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah. You, Good to see you. This yeah. was fun. Angie Shepik is a pediatric occupational therapist and is North Lake's chief allied health officer. Jenny Zelnack is a speech language pathologist and is the therapies director, and both of them work at our Ashland Clinic. There's a lot more information about pediatric therapy on North Lake's website. The address is nlccwi.org. Look under the services tab to learn more about picking eating and many other subjects. North Lakes Community Clinic is a community health center that has locations throughout the top part of Wisconsin. Our mission is to respond to the healthcare needs of our communities with an integrated array of quality services and actively remove barriers to wellness. I'm Jeremy Oswald and I work in the marketing department and I'm lucky enough to make the North Lakes podcast and talk to so many of our excellent caregivers. This is the last episode of our first season. If you have ideas or suggestions for future episodes, send me an email at marketing at nlccwi.org. Our second season will come out sometime in the new year. Subscribe to North Lakes Podcast so you know when our next batch comes out. Thanks for listening.